wonderful time to be alive. Hallelujah. Today, I just remember that I have some healing testimony that I did not share. So I just want to share it with you and, and just rejoice in Jesus' goodness. And all this just happened in just the last couple of weeks. Um, okay, let's put it up. Oh, praise the Lord. It's fun to be a Christian. <laughs> Amen? Amen, it's fun, it's fun. I, I was, uh, this one, I, I, I forgot to share with us. Uh, I, was, uh, I was preaching at the... I was invited to preach at uh, Penang for the church camp of Pentecost Methodist Church. And so I was taking this short flight, uh, very short flight. I think it's an hour flight, I think, to Penang. Is it an hour to Penang? An hour, huh? Yeah. So I, I was all ready to work because I had to, the moment I touched down, I got to preach. So I, was all, <laughs> and I wasn't quite ready, confess. So I wanted to use the time on the plane to, to work. And, and, and then I was very delighted. No one sitting beside me. And the plane was about to take off already. So I was like, oh, hallelujah. I'm going to have privacy, right? And we waited and waited and waited. And then, and then a couple show up. And they walked really slowly, really slowly. And so they were holding up the whole plane. And the man looked like he was in pain. Very much pain. So when they came up to me, I was like still hoping like it's not this two seat, it's not this two seat. <laughs> and they came right up to me and they said, excuse me? And I was like, <sighs> sorry, uh, your pastor can get carnal, you know. <laughs> so I got out, right, to let them go in. And, and you know what? He could not go in. He went like this. He went really slowly. He grabbed the seat in front and, and he could not sit down. And then the wife said, so sorry, excuse, excuse me. He's in pain. He's in pain. Yeah, so you know where they are from, right? He's in pain. He's in pain. And, 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 I, and he said, excuse us, excuse us. And I said, sure, take your time. <laughs> and they really take their time. <laughs> they stood for a long while and just like this. And we all waited, you know. And then he slowly, slowly inched his way into the seat. Then my heart sank. You know what I mean? Because you got to pray. You know, I make it a point to always, you know, when there's a chance, when there's an uh, opportunity to pray. But then I was having a struggle because I was supposed to prepare my message, you know, in this one hour before I touched down. So I was just wrangling and wrestling with the Holy Spirit. And when the, when the plane took off and I, the moment you go, ding, you know, you, know, you can... You can take out your laptop. I took out my laptop. I opened up and I was going to work. I was going to work and I stare and I stare at my laptop and stare at my laptop and blank. It was blank. Blank. Blank means the Holy Spirit says, so kang. So, so I turned around to him. I turned around to this couple and said, so, he's in pain, eh? <laughs> That's how we started the conversation. And, oh, yeah, yeah. He, he's spoiled. He's spoiled. He, he just had surgery. He's spoiled. And, and, and then I found out he had many surgery and he's been in pain for many years. And his latest surgery was just a month ago or two months and the, it was, he wasn't getting any better. So I prayed for him. You know, and as always, I'm sharing this as a testimony to encourage us to do this. I always say, I'm a Christian. I pray for people and Jesus does the healing. If you don't mind, sir, can I pray for you? His name was Gary. His wife's name was Jane. <laughs> so, so Gary and Jane. And, and so Jane, as you can see, he was seated, seated between me and Gary. So I said, sir, if you don't mind, can you stretch out your hand? And he said, sure, sure. And then Jane went like that. Obviously, they were not Christian, so they found this whole thing a little weird. So I grabbed um, Gary's hand and I prayed for him and said, Lord, you touch him. Lord, you heal him. Lord, you let him know you're real. Lord, reveal your love to him. Amen. Amen. And I keep telling them, Jesus is a healer. I've already prayed for you. He's the one doing the healing. You just keep calling upon the name of Jesus. And he's like, sure, sure, you know. And then we couldn't test. We couldn't test because the plane, the trip was an hour. And it, we, yeah, I mean, he was fixed in there, right? So when we arrived in Penang, um, uh, they did not want to stand up. They wanted the whole plane to clear first because they wanted they want to hold up anybody. So I waited with them. I was so curious. I waited with them, waited with them until everyone left. And then he, slow, he, went, he came out like that. 
he came out like that and he walked straight out of the plane, you know. And, and then the wife was behind him, the wife was behind him. We appreciate you, we appreciate you, you know, thank you, we appreciate you. And, and I was shouting to them my name, John Cole, Facebook, Facebook. I want them to message me, you know, with any, you know, to keep, well, keep in touch, you know, to hear how this thing go about. Well, they haven't messaged me yet, but he sure walked very fast out of the plane, out lost, you know, and I praise Jesus, praise Jesus, you know, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah. So I, I really want to encourage us, all right, and don't be shy about this, all right. Who here, you have prayed for someone who is sick in the last 30 days, you have prayed for someone who is sick. Wave your hands here. Okay, don't, don't, don't put down, don't put down. Can the rest just encourage them and just, just clap and just, woo! All right, really, really, we celebrate the fact that we pray for people. We just celebrate it. You know, for those who say, but I've never seen this, you know, healing and all that, if you don't pray for people, you will never see it. And then if you do, you know what? Jesus will touch people through you. I just really, really want to encourage you. This is kingdom. This is how kingdom invades the earth. When we extend our hands and allow Jesus to touch people through our lives. Amen. Now this is not all. This is not all. I have several just came in just over the last few days actually. There's another one I want to show us. This is, um, all right. Now this, uh, this was just two weeks ago about I was uh, preaching in uh, River Life on the Sunday service, on the second service. And... And, and then there was this smiley couple that came up to me after service and smiled at me and said, do you remember me? Do you remember me? I did find him familiar. I have a good memory of face. May not be the name, but face sticks with me. 50 years, it will stick with me. You know, and I said, I met you before. She said, yep. They said, last Christmas, I was invited to church and I was born again at the service that you preached. And then I came up to you and I asked you to pray for me because I had prostate cancer, fourth stage, I was given up. And he, the cancer has spread into the spine, the lungs, the, everywhere, the whole body. And, and then he said, and he prayed for me. And I said, what happened? What happened? He said, well, I went back to the hospital. I did a scan and I had no cancer cell in my body. Hallelujah. Now, that was last December. That was last December. And the testimony is this, between December and now, no, it's not very good English, but he's very enthused to share the gospel. Between December and now, he has led 14 people to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's not counting those that got saved that day. He brought a few of his friends, his staff, uh, to the service, and they came up, a whole group of them, to, to receive Jesus. And that's not counting those that day. So we want to give Jesus all the praise and all the glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus is wonderful, amen. If you're sick here in our midst, I want you to know Jesus paid the price. The Bible says he was wounded that you may be healed. And so I want you to agree with me in the name of Jesus. If there be anyone here in our midst, Lord, that are unwell, Father, we pray for the release of your healing anointing upon your people. Destroy every infirmity all of us because Jesus, you paid the price and we shall walk in your purchased possession of divine health and wholeness all the days of our life before you in the name of Jesus. So Lord, right now, we declare that, that sicknesses are squatters in our land, they're illegal in our body because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit and all diseases, all infirmities have to get out of us, out of our household in the name of Jesus. We evict every sickness every infirmity out of our family in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that not only you heal us and make us whole, Lord, we ask of you to, for holy boldness to pray for people and be used of you to bring healing to many other people. Use us, we pray, in the name of our Lord Jesus, we ask boldly. And everyone say, Amen. 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 I want to quickly share a message that uh, is fresh on my heart. Uh, along the line of kingdom and along the line of prayer. It's just something fresh to me and, I, and, and, and I, I feel that it is really for this season. Uh, this season, I have such an impetus in my heart to pray like never before. I really feel that we, are, we have entered into a season of war. War. 
you know, we've been, I've been on the whole series on kingdom economy, and I, I talked about how I showed us from real life um, uh, uh, turn of events in the world, you know, and from prophetic scriptures, how it all ties in to the end time shaking. And I really believe that this is a time that, that we really need to pray more than ever before to, to be prepared for what is up ahead. We must pray more than ever before. We are, brothers and sisters, we are really living in very extraordinary time. We are, we are. The time of transition of epochs, the change of eras, these are usually the roughest time, both naturally and spiritually speaking. I remember years ago, I did a, a series here called Spiritual Transition. And I talk about how transition in life is always the time of the most intense warfare. In the Bible, in the Bible, um, city gates, it's a picture and a symbolism of transition, right? I mean, city gates where you transit into, from outside the city into the city or from the city transiting out when you pass through it. City gate is a, is a picture of the gateway and transition. And in the Old Testament, you will see that city gates is the place of the most intense warfare. All wars are fought, won or lost at the city gate. The moment the city gate is compromised, the whole city is gone. It is gone. So the city gate is a, is a place of warfare. It's a place of much uh, uh, battles. It's a place that requires uh, uh, watchmen to be very watchful, they, especially after sunset. They really, the watchmen have to watch and they will not open the city gate you know, if they cannot discern if the person coming in is, is, is friend or foe. You, you understand what I mean? So city gate is a picture of transition. It's a picture of how when we face a time of change and shift and transition, there's usually very intense warfare. This is a time that you need a lot of discernment, a lot of, of um, a revelation and clarity from the Lord. Uh, we are at a time like that right now. The time of transition is very crucial. It's like, it's like a baby in the birth canal. When the baby is in the birth canal, you have to be very decisive. It's either the baby's out or the baby becomes a stillborn. You know? and, and, and it's the most dangerous moment is at that transition moment. All right? It is symbolic of, of, of spiritual realities. When, when, when our life goes through a transition, we have to be very careful. We have to bathe it with a lot of prayers. You know, and, and we are at a times like that now. I really sense that prophetically. So I, I feel very compelled to do a series on prayer in the light of the kingdom. In this session, I want to call it Enforcing the Kingdom Through Prayer. And I, and I trust that it will bless you. This is the hour of the emergence. I'm going to give a very quick recap of the kingdom narrative to this. This is the hour of the emergence of God's kingdom on earth. And the emergence of his kingdom is manifested through his people. The kingdom of God right now is really crashing in on the kingdoms of the world. And, and the great end time shaking is directly a precipitation, a result of the clash of the kingdoms. And this clash will get more and more intense, more and more intense in the days ahead. And it, it will, you will see this shaking in political arena, in, act, in economic arena, in, even in religious arena, in every, in every way. You will see clash of values. It is time of the clashing of dominions and powers. Good versus evil. Light against darkness. It, it, it's, it's a time that we need to know how to navigate you know, uh, uh, by the word of the Lord and by the Spirit of God. We really need to be very um, prayerful and sober at this time. You know, this is more, this time is, this, this is a kind of time that, that really we have to give heed to the biblical uh, uh, exhortation to be watchful and to pray to be very sober and to be very prayerful. The church right now, where the church is concerned right now, really this is the time for war. This is, a hour of, of, uh, this is the hour to battle for the kingdom. I want to show us some uh, scripture in a moment. In Ecclesiastes, in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 1, 3 and 8, I want to show us, this was a scripture that the Lord gave me when I was praying, you know, and, and it really burns my heart. It says that there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under heaven. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down, a time to build. And then verse 8 is where I'm coming to. A time for war 
and a time for peace. In my moments of, of praying and spending time with the Lord, I keep hearing this, a time for war, a time for war. This is a time for war. My people must arise to, to stake their ground. My people must arise to enforce the kingdom. And so I want to just relay this message to us. This is not a time to sit back and relax and chill. Really, this is a time of war. This is a time of transition. You must transit properly because it's a t- at the time of transition that dreams can be aborted, vision can be, can be removed. You know that destiny can be, can be disrupted. Transition are very crucial, very sensitive time. Like, like I mentioned just now, it's like, like a baby in the birth canal. It's the most uh, a delicate moment. And so this is the hour of great transition. I tell you, careers can make and break at this moment. Enterprise can rise or collapse at this moment. So the Lord's word for us uh, 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 this, this afternoon is, people, you must pray. You must be very watchful, very prayerful in this time. That's why we want to kickstart a season of praying and fasting uh, together as a church. And I will talk about that in a while. The power of coming together as a church family to pray. We need to understand the time and know, what, know the right thing to do that is required for that moment. Amen? Amen. The Bible talks about this. First Chronicle chapter 12, verse 32 uh, from Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. This is one of those scriptures that I really like in the, script, in, in the Bible. It, it talks about how among the 12 tribes, the Issachar is the tribe, they have such an anointing on them, especially they are a prophetic tribe. They knew the seasons, they understood the times, and not only that, they knew what Israel should do. And this I want to declare over us in Jesus' name. Father, may you just cause such an, a prophetic anointing to rest upon us that we intuitively know the season, to understand the time. And not only that, we have your divine counsel and wisdom to know what to do, to know how to navigate in this time. We receive that by faith. We agree in faith and we receive that by faith right now in the name of Jesus. And everyone say... Amen, amen. The, the, the tribe of Issachar have this very unique anointing. Because when we do not understand the times, we will not do the right things according to God's purpose. And that will inevitably lead us to failure and defeat. Don't you agree? You, know, you need to understand the times and then you know how to do the right thing. And the times right now, I want to repeat to us again, it's a time for war. Say with me, a time for war. And many things are being shaken right now. Powers are being challenged right now. Paradigms are shifting. And God wants us to enter into a season of prayer so that we may get sensitized to Him. We may download strategies from Him. Amen. We must know. We must know. You know, who know King David in the Bible? King David in the Bible. We all have such good impression of him, right? I mean, he is the king that ruled over the golden era of Israel. But we also know he fell at one time really badly. And all of us can nod our head. Yeah. As illustrious as his career was, he fell big time at one time in his life. He committed adultery. He committed murder. He, he committed disloyalty to his own man. I mean, he, it was really bad. And you know what? why he could fall so hard, even though he was a man after God's heart. He was a man, Bible says, that really seek after God. But yet, he, he, there was a season in his life of such a vulnerability that he actually fell headlong when the enemy showed up. And you know what's the incident, right? <laughs> what's the incident? Yeah. It's got to do with someone taking a bath. Rightfully so. I mean, she's even named after that activity, you know. <laughs> and her name is Bathsheba. I think she's quite professional at it. But the Bible tells us, the Bible tells us that David one day was on, I don't know, he was sun tanning or something, you know, and he looked down. If you go to Israel, you'll see that the, the, the city of David is, is, uh, is a slope and the palace is on top. So he has this elevated view over all the all the residences below him. He has a vantage view, or right, let's put it this way. But how did he fall? I'll tell you why he fall. Even though he was a man, the Bible says, a man after God's heart, he did not discern the time. I want to show you this scripture. In spring, this is found in 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 1 and 2. 
in the spring. Say with me, at the time when kings go off to war, David did not go off to war. Instead, he sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. They did well though. They destroyed the Ammonites and besieged Rabbah. But David, Bible says, remained in Jerusalem. What was he doing in Jerusalem when it is the time that kings go to war? He decided to chill, to relax. And it says here, verse 2, One evening, David got up from his bed and walked around on the roof of the palace. From the roof, he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. And David stuck out his tongue and he panted hard. No, Bible didn't say that. But we know what happened after that. He fell, head, fell headlong into it. And then, and then he, he committed adultery. He even arranged for the husband, a very loyal general, to be killed because he wanted his, to cover up his own sin. And, and he just, it was a spiral down from there. And we will not examine today all the intricacy of how it happened. But we do know something though. He was out of sync with God's timing. It was a time for war. But he did not go to war. And I just feel led to share this scripture today. That if it is a time for war and you don't war, you will walk into a wall. Things will not turn out well. So I just want to prophetically just exhort us, really this is a time to sober up and to seek the heart of God because so many things are happening in the marketplace right now, in the economy, in, in, in every arena right now and God wants to talk to you. He, that's why He wants to ask you to come to His presence to pray because prayer is a dialogue with God to discern His heartbeat, to enforce His will. Amen? Amen. And His will is to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Amen. He's got good plans for you. Amen. Amen. So, I, so we need to walk in the right timing. We all know the tragic outcome of David's decision to stay home at the time for war. And so we, we must heed this prophetic warning. All right. The, the, it's a, the fact is that right now we're in a season whereby God is wanting us to take back the kingdom by force. All right. This is the time for that. I want to show us this scripture in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 12, from the days of John the Baptist until the kingdom of... It says, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and violent men take it by force. Why does it say from the, day, the days of John the Baptist? What was the, the ministry of John the Baptist? John the Baptist announced the coming of the Messiah that the king is back, the king, the Messiah is back. The moment he announced that the king is back, you know what? War started. Because the enemy is not going to take this lying down. The moment he, he started his ministry of announcing uh, about the, the imminent uh, arrival of the king of kings, you know, the Messiah, the, it says here, the kingdom, the the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. The enemy rose up with great resistance. And then it goes on to say, and violent men take it by force. This is referring to, to us. They must take hold of the kingdom by violent faith. Not by physical violence, but by a violent faith. By a radical faith that will lay hold of the kingdom. Because it is now being challenged. The enemy is challenging it. The emergence of the kingdom was immediately met with violent resistance from the powers of darkness. And it would take God's people to lay hold of the kingdom forcefully, forcefully, with violent faith. And this is the moment for it. There is a time for war. You must war. And there is a time to be, to be, to be violent in faith. You know, you must be violent in faith in order to lay hold of your inheritance because the enemy is not going to take this sitting down. He will fight you, claws, tooth, nail, everything. You know, there, are, there, there are so much lost ground that God right now is wanting to raise up His people to take back in this hour. A lot, a lot of lost ground. You know, over the, over the years, over the centuries, over the dispensations, when the church of Jesus Christ is so ignorant of God's agenda. And that's why 
the church becomes a form of religiosity without power. And this is the hour of awakening. God is causing the revelation of His kingdom to be restored back to His people. And, and He's saying, you can arise. You can, in fact, you must rise up to capture back all the lost ground. And the lost ground refers to the hearts and minds of men and women. The, 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 it, it refers to, to the battle for the souls of, of whole civilization, tribes and nations. There have been a lot of lost ground and this is the hour that God is wanting to take it back through His people. And, and who are His people? We are His people. And right now, we are really stepping into times of very fierce confrontations with the powers of darkness. And it's symbolized by... This, this confrontation in the Bible is symbolized by Aaron's confrontation with the wizards, with the magicians and sorcerers in, uh, in Pharaoh's court. Remember, when God sent them, sent them to, to speak to Pharaoh to demand for the release of the Israelites, Moses went with his brother, Aaron, and, and instructed by Moses, if you go read the scripture, right? we won't read all the scripture right now, when they came before Pharaoh and God told them how to display his power, Moses was the one who would tell Aaron, throw down your staff. Herein is another spiritual principle. Remember we saw last week how God was the one who challenged Moses to throw down his staff on the ground. And it, 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 it turned into a snake and then God said, you pick it up by the tail. It's a picture of how you hold the tail, I will hold the head. Because poisonous things, no one hold it by the tail. It's a, it's a suicide when you do that. So it's a picture of how Moses was willing to lay down his career, his instrument of 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 his own protection, his provision, he represents that. You know, and, and when he was willing to lay down before God, God resurrected his version for Moses. And that was a very staff that would open the Red Sea. After that act, it's been called the staff of God. It's been because it's something they've been surrendered to the Lordship of Christ symbolically. You know. And it was Moses now who, who told Aaron to throw down because he has gone through that. A person who has been yielded now can exercise authority and do the same. Amen. It's another principle here. If you are not broken before the Lord, you can't help another person to be broken. If you are not yielded to the Lordship of Christ, you cannot exercise the authority to help another person yield. Amen. And Moses now could tell Aaron, throw your staff down on the ground as instructed by God. And when Aaron did that, when he threw it down before Pharaoh, because Pharaoh did not believe their words, Aaron threw down his staff, it turned into a snake. But guess what? The Bible records that the sorcerers of Pharaoh's court, they could do the same. They, they also did the same and their stuff all turned to think, wow, it must be quite dramatic, huh? quite a drama in the court that day. But you know what's the difference? Aaron's snake swallowed all the other snakes. It's called Jia <laughs> you know, it, That's the difference. What, what, what it symbolizes that God's power is superior over the others. His kingdom is greater than all the other kingdoms. Amen. Amen. But that also tells us this is the time of confrontation. You better have power. Symbolically speaking, if not, you will throw down your, your stuff and all you get is clong, 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 clong. <laughs> Bo power. <laughs> really, really, this is the hour that we really need to have power. I remember about four years ago, when we, about four years now, it's more here, when we went to Nepal, you know, and the Lord did so many healings among them, and, and one of the things that was so moved us is the, the Nepali, these are Tibetan, ethnically Tibetan, all right, so they, they've seen miracles. The Dalai and the Lamas could, could levitate, go through ceiling, could walk through walls, could do astral projection, I mean, they have their demonic miracles you know and we're so glad that the local pastor tell us is he say now they now after seeing the healing of jesus he say now now we know god is greater hallelujah hallelujah and i want to i want to exhort us about this today you better have power for this season up ahead because it's a time of confrontation you think you can do a little thing the enemy they don't have the little tricks they also have theirs what must show up that your your God, your, your Yasuo is a greater God, is when your miracle really bless people. Your, your, your miracle, your, your healing overwhelms the destructive work of Satan. Amen? Amen. And how do you get that? You got to pray. 
it's time that we call upon God more than ever before. You must rec- we must recognize our need for Him so that we can demonstrate the superiority of God's power and, and authority over the works of Satan. Can I hear an amen? Yeah, and we want to pray about this at the end of the service. All right? We want to come to agreement that God will release a greater measure of His power in and through our life and that He will use us to demonstrate His reality everywhere we go. Amen? Amen. And, and then I want to share another principle here before we go into prayer, all right? I want to share another principle. Know your covenant. All right. Knowing your covenant with God. It is important. Now, I re- notice that Moses was called by God to go confront Pharaoh. Can you imagine the odds against him? Naturally speaking, here was someone who was a lowly shepherd going to confront Pharaoh who, who is the supreme ruler of the mighty Egyptian empire. It is a nobody challenging an established power. I just feel the Holy Spirit highlight about this and say, many of you will experience the same in the days ahead. You will be challenging powers, naturally speaking, far greater than you. But But in order to be able to do that, you need to be very confident in the covenant you have with God in the days ahead. You need to be very confident. I want to show you this principle uh, from, from the scripture. Because you, the Lord shows me this, we will also be sent by God to challenge all established powers, strongholds seemingly far greater in strength and dominance. But yet God will send us to challenge it and to take it down because it's the hour that we take back the kingdom forcefully. Amen? And you know what? If they are old and established and dominant, they are not going to take it from you lying down. They will resist you. They will fight you tooth, cloth, everything. Every, everything will come out. You know, God may, metaphorically speaking, in parallel to this, God may, may send you to challenge your competitor who's been in the marketplace, who's, who practices witchcraft and all that, and then his great business in the same industry that you're in, and God said, no, I will, I, will, I, will, I will make you challenge that power and take over the industry. And you're like, but, but, but who am I? God may ask you to, to start a coffee shop that will take, o- take over Starbucks franchise. No, cannot lie. They're very big. No. And God said, no, I'm in covenant with you. If you know my covenant with you, you will have the faith to be able to do whatever I ask you to do. And Moses did that. I need, you need to put yourself in his shoes. Shepherding job is one of the lowest jobs in the social hierarchy. And yet, God would choose him and ask of him to go confront the emperor. Think about that. How could he do that? How did he manage to do that? Well, remember last week, last week we, saw, we saw that it's got to do with the circumcision. Remember? What Moses did is a king, as a lowly shepherd confronting the supreme ruler, is, is like David. There's another parallel. David, the little boy, that shepherd boy, about 15, 16 years old at that point, when he went to challenge Goliath, who was a mighty giant, a seasoned man of war, a trained warrior, and this, this boy goes with pebbles. What oh, hollow is he? You know, it's like, it's like, you know, it's a joke. It's a joke, naturally speaking. In fact, Goliath was so upset, she felt insulted, they sent David. He felt really insulted. You know, he says, what am I, a dog? You know, what is, you know. And yet, that was so unequal. Log- I mean, it's very illogical, that kind of a challenge. But yet today, I just feel led to share with you, both of them could do what they do because they knew their covenant with God. Moses, remember last week we saw Moses was wanting to head towards uh, uh, Pharaoh, you know, and and God nearly killed him because he went without preparation. He might as well just die at home. Don't have to go there and say God. You know, I mean, brought, brought, bring reproach against God. You know, I tell you in the name of my, I'm just, he would have died immediately. And so what Zipporah did, the, the wife, Zipporah circumcised the children. Remember I mentioned that? I want to show you the scripture because I felt the Holy Spirit bring me back again to this. All right, this is Moses. I want to show you the scripture. On the way to Egypt, this was a curious account recorded in the Bible of God wanting to kill him because he was 
a little, it's kind of frivolous, not understanding covenant. All right. On the way to Egypt, the Lord met Moses and tried to kill him. Then Zipporah, his wife, took a sharp stone, cut off the foreskin of her son. Ouch! <laughs> and, and touched Moses' feet with it. And so the Lord spared Moses' life. It's got to do with circumcision. And, and last week, remember, I explained this. Because they have already backslidden from the Lord for hundreds of years. They, through those years of slavery, the Israelites have long forgotten the covenant they have with God. Remember the covenant they, that God had with them when God told Abraham, I will bless you and all the nations of the world will be blessed because of you. That means I will, this is my covenant with you, God's promise, God's contract, eternal contract with, Mo, with, with, uh, with them through Abraham, their forefather. You know what? They've already forgotten about that. That was about 430 years ago, the covenant by them. And, and so... And so they have stopped circumcising their children. Circumcision was their sign that they are a people in covenant with God. And, and if you don't understand the weight and, and, and seriousness of blood covenant, uh, you can download my, my, my whole series on the blood covenant. All right? It is God's eternal agreement with them that I will back you up. You know, and you go in faith because I'm in covenant with you. Moses did not go in the covenant. He went frivolously, wanting to just go confront Moses, having forgotten, uh, confront Pharaoh, having forgotten the covenant. And that's why the wife knew and the, thank God for the wife, even though the wife was, was not even a, 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 a Jew. And yet she knew that this was the problem. And, and, and then that's why later on God further instructed Moses why he would move so powerfully to deliver Israel. It is because of the covenant. He was faithful. He is faithful to his covenant. Do you know God is faithful in his covenant with you? And your covenant with him is cut with the blood of Jesus. It's eternal. When God said, I will never leave nor forsake you, he will never leave nor forsake you because of the blood covenant. And so later on, God would tell, would tell Moses why he's delivering the, the Israelites. God also said to Moses, this is found in Exodus 6, chapter 6, verse 2 to 5. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. These are their ancestors. I also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan. I have heard the groaning of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are, enslaved, are enslaving and I have remembered my covenant. It's about the covenant. It's about the covenant. And you are going to go, a lowly shepherd can go and challenge a supreme ruler of the empire because he's a person who is in covenant with God. Amen? So likewise, the understanding of covenant will be the foundation of your faith in your mighty acts up ahead. And I declare, mighty acts up ahead. You're going to conquer your industry mightily because you know your covenant. You're going to, do, you're going to rob signs, of, um, signs and wonders and healing and miracles because you know your covenant. Amen. You must have a consciousness and understanding of covenant. Then you can face the kind of war that is upcoming. The kind, the kind of challenge that we will face. The challenge of, of faith that we will face. Amen. Everybody say, covenant. We must understand covenant. Or I encourage you to download the series called The Black Covenant. And I mentioned David just now. David is another parallel of such unequal challenge. How can a little boy, 15, 16 years old, never train in war, you know, could, could represent Israel because the, the, the situation was the Philistine army facing the, 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 the uh, uh, Israelites, their army, and they say, we don't even have the fight. You send your best, we send our best. He will determine. Our champion will determine which nation bowed which. And they send their best. And their best was Goliath. Goliath was 2. meters high. In, according to the record, it's about 2.06 meters high. That's almost touching your roof in your HDB flight, you know. Yeah. And he's big and he's trained. He's a seasoned warrior. And then, lo and behold, David brought lunch, some nasi lemak or something, 
to, to his brothers who are soldiers. Soldiers who are mo kuai yong. You know, I mean, they are brothers who are in the army on the Israel, Israel, Israel side, you know, and they were all trembling, wetting their pants because none dare to go out to represent Israel, you know, and, and there David showed up. All right, show up with the law me and stuff, you know, and then give to the brother, and then <gasps> he saw something that really irked him because there Goliath was defiling the name of God, that was mocking the army of, of Israel. Goliath was mocking, mocking who will come, and, 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 and Israel, I mean, uh, 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 David, because David knew God. And he knew, he knew covenant. And so what did David say? This was the basis of David's faith. David said, send me! Send me! And they're like ridiculous. How can we send you? You know, the brothers basically smacked his head and said, go home, you. you know, <laughs> Ask him to go home. Yeah, who are you? Go! And then they come back tremble. You know, I mean, it's very strange. And David was the one who said, no, let me go, let me go. And you know what David said? This was the word of David, and you, it shows you what was the basis of his faith. Then, this is First uh, Samuel chapter 17, verse 26. Then David spoke to the man who was standing by him, because he happened to hear this conversation, saw the situation. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? He understood covenant. And he's saying, this person is not even in covenant with God. And he could taunt the armies of the living God. That's why he prayed <laughs> he, he, he couldn't take it. You know? He's someone, obviously, who knew God, who had an experience, a journey. He has had a journey with, with God. With, and, and you know what? He volunteered. He said, let me go, let me go. They had to hold him back. He said, let me go. And finally, they couldn't dissuade him. And then Saul tried to put on his armor on him. You know, no, use this, use this, you know. Man's method, you know. Oh, until you cannot see David. Because David was so small, Saul was big. The Bible says Saul was big. He's tall, dark, and handsome. Just a little slow up here. Never mind. But he was You know, Saul was big and he was trying to put his armor on David. This is a man's method. That's what men trust. Men trust, you know, put his arm. And David cannot even, you can even see David inside there. He's like, let me out, 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 out. I can't see Goliath. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, he was like, you know. And they took it out. I said, no, I've never used this. It's not tested. And what is tested? My goalie is tested. <laughs> My marble is tested. <laughs> he got five, I tell you, because Goliath had four other siblings, you know. <laughs> I mean, this guy got faith, you know. And you know, he took the goalie, huh? I mean, he took the, his, his, his marbles, sorry, huh? Heidi, sorry. <laughs> marbles, marbles. He took his pebbles and he charged. And he, he, this man knows God. And look at what he said. Then David said to the Philistine, because Goliath really insulted him. Really insulted him. You think I'm a dog or what? Well, you send a, a, a little thing, a little twerp like that for, to me. He felt insulted. And David, and he said, I will feed your flesh with the birds of the air and all that. And David said, no. David said to him, you come to me with a sword, a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. He understood covenant. You know, in the blood covenant, when two persons are in blood covenant, like David did finally have with Jonathan, the son of Saul, in the blood covenant, your enemy is my enemy. My enemy is your enemy. Your friend is my friend. My friend is your friend. It, 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 it's two persons come into union. There's no closer bond than two persons that have cut a blood covenant. And it also means your resources are mine and, and vice versa. Your power, your authority is mine and vice versa. David understood covenant. And that's why he could, a little boy like that could charge at Goliath, you know, saying that you have come against God. You don't know who you're messing with. You don't know who you're messing with. And he considered Israel's army to be the army of the Lord. Because in the covenant, God said, I will be your shield. I will be your weapon. 
You know, that's why David and Jonathan exchange weapon the moment they cut blood covenant. My weapon is symbolic of my weapon is your hand now. In your hands now, you have to protect me. Likewise, your weapon is in my hand. I will have to protect you. Do you know, do you know God is in blood covenant with you? Do you know God not only, has to, not only wants to protect you, He has to protect you because of the blood covenant? Not only He wants to heal you, He has to heal you because of blood covenant. In the blood covenant, what you don't have and I have, I must necessarily give you. Now, this is just in brief about the covenant. All right. And so you, you see Moses and David, they have such extraordinary faith because they understood covenant. And I want you to know and understand covenant as we head into this time of war, you know, to accomplish things that have never been accomplished in prior generation. I really believe there's a, there's a scale of things upcoming. All right. Now we're going to take a moment to talk about enforcing God's will on earth. We know that the battle for the restoration of God's kingdom, it begins with an it begins with enforcing His will through prayer. Everybody say, prayer. Because Jesus Himself taught us in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 and 10, pray then in this way, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. You know this, the context of this. The disciples came to Jesus and said, teach us how to pray, Lord. And he, he taught them, this is how you pray. All prayer begins with this. It begins with asking for God's kingdom to come. That God's will be done in that situation. And all needs will be met. That means all needs and solution and breakthrough and healing are found in the kingdom. So how do we enforce a kingdom? The primary means is prayer. The final, you know what? The, the move of the Spirit of God to restore all things in the last days is effected and fueled by the prayer and intercession of, this, of His people. You and I, we are the ones that would bring about the restoration, the dramatic restoration. God chose to use our prayers to enforce His will in the world. Did I share with you recently about this uh, South African man? Did I share with you? I was just fellowshipping with a South African uh, uh, minister recently, you know, and, and he was telling me about this testimony, about this car crash. Did you all hear about it? Recently, just a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, not, not in the service, I think. Maybe not in the service. Let me share with you quickly. This is a true story. Huh? The, 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 the South African minister was sharing with me how a fellow minister called Joseph was in, in South Africa. He was on a highway and, and he witnessed a horrendous car crash. And the car in front of him smacked into the tree, <coughs> crushed like an accordion. The person was killed instantly and he was wrecked up his leg was pointing in the opposite direction he was broken you know and and he and and he ran there and and, and he felt the spirit of god rise up within him and, and and the bonus came over him he yanked the person out of this crushed car and he prayed for him you know what happened and the leg was pointing in all direction that that the person got levitated off the ground, not by him, I mean just levitated off the ground, body straightened up and he came alive. So you would think that's all, right? So after that, he dropped back on the ground and he said, oh, hallelujah, he came alive. He came alive and God said, no, you're not done yet. The car. Tell him to pray for the car. He's like, the car? Yes, the car. So he, he turned around and he prayed for the car. He prayed for the car and the car opened up like an accordion and back into the original shape. That is restoration. I wish I knew him two months earlier. <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, my car got, got, got scratched. Anyway, I just pray. No need to send to the panel beater. Hallelujah. It will save me a lot of money. But guys, that's restoration. I really believe we have entered into those days of such mind-boggling, mind-boggling miracles that is wrought by God's people who understand covenant, who understand the superiority of God's kingdom, who understand how overwhelmingly greater is the power of our God, the love of our King. Amen? Amen. I really want to stretch our faith, you know, to believe for big things up ahead. That, that, that in the days up ahead, you're going to see things like, like we've never heard of. I really believe it will happen. I really believe in the days ahead. I really believe. And, and, and God wants to bring about 
awesome, awesome restoration through us. I've actually shared about this before. I said, you know, in time past, we, we rejoice. We rejoice at... at, at you know, who saw that video on the, on the YouTube when the Filipino church prayed and the tornado was heading towards there and then it headed away, right? I mean, it was awesome, right? right. And that's wonderful. We praise, praise God for that. You know what? I believe the day will come when even the tornado came to destroy everything and the people of God pray and everything fall back into shape. I, I really believe. Because the Bible says the outcome will be one when God moves. The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of our God as the water covers the sea. How much of the sea is covered by water? 100%. Not the earth, huh? the sea. Where there's no water, there's no sea. Amen. I really believe that, that we're going to see such awesome, awesome restoration. Bring a brought about by God's people who understand covenant, who understand the power of our King, who understand the superiority of His kingdom, His reign, His rule. And so right now, God, He's upgrading us, upgrading our faith, stretching our heart to be able to conceive and perceive what can be possible through faith. I thank God for every healing that I see. But you know what? You know, I have to keep praying, God, don't let me be dull. I really, really, the Holy Spirit is my witness. Don't let me get used to it and then lose the wonder of things. You know? and, and so I want to give thanks. If someone sniffing and then we pray and then stop. Oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord. Goiter disappear. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. We want to stay fresh, stay in amazement of God's power. And you know, and, and that freshness will keep it growing, growing, growing. Don't get used to God's miracles. Amen. I mean, I want to rejoice at every healing. Hallelujah. And so going forward, we've got to pray. And I'm running out of time right now, so I'll just cut short and we'll continue the next session. Prayer is so powerful because God has given us the authority over the earth. In my next session, I want to teach about this. I have something so fresh I want to share with you that I want to squeeze in and I know I've got no time. You know, about why God moved only through us. John Wesley said this, right? God does nothing but in answer to prayer. Such a cryptic saying. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, you know, he, also said, he also said, without God, man cannot. Without man, God will not. Really interesting. I'll talk about this in the next session. He has such an understanding of why God would only move through the church on earth. I'll share with you the next time. But today, I want to just jump into one concept and then we were close. All right. This is a season that we, we feel as a church we need to get into prayer. It's not just about the church. Oh, well, the church is going through, we're going to celebrate 20, 20 years of, of, of ministry, and, and we are wanting to launch a 20 day prayer and fasting from 1st of October all the way to the 20 year. And then at Chihuelin, I can imagine all rush into Chihuelin like the seventh month. I, <laughs> I think I, I'm already imagining. Okay, get I, I cast you. Get thee behind me. All right. So anyway, so I want to talk about the power of corporate prayer. All right. The power of corporate prayer and fasting. I will introduce this and then in the next few sessions, we will elaborate more. Prayer is so powerful because God has deputized man to be the ruler. Do you know God even made himself illegal to rule over the earth? Because right at creation, God said, and let them rule. And God will not violate his own covenant. And then he stepped in to rule. No, he said, let, he created man and he said, and let them rule. Next session, I'll talk more about this. You don't know the absolute authority that God has placed upon you. If you don't move, God does not move. Because the earth is your domain. Tell the one next to you, hey, the earth is your domain. That's why the prayers of man is so powerful that can even change elements. I want to show us this scripture in James chapter 5, verse 16. It says there, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Do you all believe? Do you know the word here, powerful, is from the word dunamis, from which we derive the word dynamite? The prayer of a Christian is dynamite. It's like a bomb going off. Do you know that? The prayer of a, a, a righteous person can already release spiritual power equivalent to a dynamite physically. Can you imagine the power then 
of a group of righteous people coming together to pray. If one person already can go off like a bomb, then one group, nuclear. Yeah, so I wanted to introduce this concept and we, 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 we continue the next session. Matthew chapter 18, verse 19 to 20. Again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am, I am there among them. Uh, I want to introduce to you this word. I assure you, if two of you on earth, because earth is your domain, and God will not move unless you move. And when you allow, when you pray, you're giving him permission to move on earth because the earth belongs unto man, right? Bible says the heaven belongs to God, you know, but the earth he has given unto the sons of man and he has given to man belongs to you. And that's why when we as the owners of the earth and, and not only we will pray, we come into agreement one with, one with another, there is power, power that goes off like a nuclear bomb. When we come into an agreement with one another, the dunamis power of heaven is multiplied exponentially when God's people come together and pray. And I want you to catch this in this season more than ever before. Grab someone and pray. Call someone and pray. You, you're going to experience power like you've never experienced before. Because in this season, there is such, I tell you prophetically, there is such a grace to pray. There's such a grace, such a hunger, such a desire to pray because God's going to move so powerfully through His people. And when you come together to pray, you, you, you multiply that power even more when you start to add fasting to it. Because the power is, is going to expand even more exponentially. So there are many scriptures in the Bible that talks about corporate prayer and fasting or we, that I have no more time to share. So I'll just run through it. You record it down, we'll continue in the next round. But in Joel 2, 15 to 17, it says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, declare a holy fast. Call a sacred assembly, gather the peoples, consecrate the assembly, bring together the elders, gather the children, those nursing at the breast, let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber, let the priest who minister before the Lord weep between the temple porch and the altar. Basically what he's saying here is everybody can be involved. Habbalang. Long zong, semua orang. Everybody can, can, can fast. Everyone can be part of this. Children also can join in. Nursing mothers also can join in. Whether you're the minister, full-time, part-time, no time, all can have time. All must make time for it. God, there's a season when God calls His people to come together. It's because He knows what is up ahead. And He's wanting, he's wanting to move through His people to mitigate those challenges and to even bring it about His divine will. So the Bible commands us to fast. To fast personally and also to fast corporately. Let the people, he says, everybody, the young, the old, the male, the female, the nursing moms, the ministers, the non-ministers, the in-laws, the outlaws, all come. And there were, there were times you can see in the Bible where God called for corporate fasting and prayer. Especially when Israel was going through a major crisis or transition. So with that, I'm going to close. All right, and I'm, we're not going into details now. I want to show you just two scriptural examples. You note it down, go back and read it and be part of your your fasting and scripture reading. I, I said, when God called for corporate fast, it's either crisis or transition. All right? Now, crisis. You can all remember the crisis. Esther, right? All right, you should note it and then go back and read it. All right, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. I and my mates will fast as you do. This is Esther, Queen Esther saying, because there was a calamity in the horizon. They were about to be slaughtered, massacred as a, as a human race. All right, when, when this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. It was a crisis at hand. The whole Jewish people were about to be slaughtered. They called for a national fast, a corporate fast. And you know what? A corporate, the corporate fast averted the annihilation of the whole Jewish race. The corporate fast completely completely destroyed the onslaught of Satan to massacre the Jewish people. In fact, not only that, it turned around the whole situation and caused the perpetrator of the massacre himself to be slaughtered instead, to be put to the guillotine. 
the corporate fast actually turned the harm of the enemy against himself. So fasting is really powerful. Fasting reverses a spiritual onslaught of the enemy. I want you to notice that. All right, just we won't go into details. Just note this: this is a crisis. All right. Now I want you to look at an example that is a transition, and this is where we are right now. All right, a transition. This is found in Daniel chapter nine, verse two to three. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. So I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting and in sackcloth and ashes. Why? Because they are in transition. And because transition is so such delicate moment, anything can go wrong, you know, they, they, they cry out to God for wisdom. And so why did they fast? Because it sensitized them. It's, fasting sensitizes us to the, to the voice of God, to the move of the Holy Spirit. Fasting does that. If you never fasted, you will never experience that. Fasting repositioned and realigned our hearts to be able to hear God clearly. And that's why you'll find in the scripture, God's people, whenever they are in transition and in very difficult or sensitive or delicate moments, you know, you know what? They will, they will go into a fast. That's why the disciples often fast to seek God for direction when they have major decision making. For example, I quickly give you an example, Acts 13.3. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. They actually, they actually fasted before they empowered someone and deputized and ordained someone into the ministry. Make sure they chose the right person. In Acts 14.23, when they had appointed elders for them in every church, having prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord in whom they had believed. So when they have decision-making, they go into a fast. So I really want to share this with you, brothers and sisters. This is a season to do that. Join us as a corporate body. Start to go into a fast. You know, pray for your life. Pray for what is up ahead. I tell you, a major benefit of fasting is that it clears the debris. I'm making this short. It clears the debris in your soul you know, and the, all the gunk that dulls you from hearing God's voice or to even desire His presence or to even want to read the Word. On, you know, if you don't have that want for the Word, no desire for His presence, I tell you what's the best way to, to deal with the problem. Go into a fast. Trust me. You can, you can try, you can try, you can try, nothing will come out. Your determination will not bring you into it, into the Word, into the present. If you find yourself lacking spiritual appetite, I tell you, you first suppress your fleshly appetite. Your spiritual appetite will be awakened. Alright? That is one of the many benefits of fasting. That's why the more you fast, the greater will be your appetite for His Word and His presence. The, if you don't fast, it's very hard to churn out the hunger yourself. It's very, very difficult. I know, I've been there, you know. And, and so fasting has a lot of benefits. So I want to encourage you, you know, if you're willing, I, I will make it available, our information and, and, and material from the Gospel Encounter, the fasting segment, we will make it available, all right, on the app or somewhere where, where I want you to really, in this season, start somewhere. If you've never fasted before, you know, uh, uh, start somewhere. If I ask you, have you been fasting at all? Uh, yes, very fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Some people are very gifted. They can fast seven days uh, in seven hours. <laughs> very gifted, you know, or seven minutes, you know. Yeah. Uh, I tell you, fasting has a lot of blessing, all right? So I'm going to release you from here. I want you to go and, and uh, think about it. We're going to launch this. We're going to launch this. Um, okay. Uh, we're not going to principles now, but we will launch this basically at, at, uh, on October 1st, right? We're going to 20 days. So I'm not preparing you now, prepping you up now. In the, in the later session, we have four sessions before that. Uh, we'll continue on, on the area of prayer and fasting. You know that? Yeah. So I want you to brace yourself. Or you can even start early. Start just, you can start somewhere, maybe once a week even. Can? Once a week. Don't worry, won't die one. Trust me. Like, oh, oh, won't die. Trust me. Yeah, you got enough to go for many, many days. All right. Yeah, some, one meal already, wow, I want to die. I see, I, wow, you know, don't worry. Your, your, your flesh will cry out, will, will rebel, will complain. That's why fasting is so powerful. When you deny it for what it wants and seek the face of God, it quietens down. 
it subjects itself to the Lordship of Christ. And then your, all your senses come alive to the spirit realm, to God's realm. Blessing, blessing upon blessing. All right. And also it has many other benefits. It has physical benefit. Oh, this, this, this can motivate many people. True or not? True or not? True. Yeah, you can get to dress, all, take back all the dresses that have been too tight. Sing Lui, you know, don't you buy new dress, save money. A lot of other benefits. And also it's true, where when you fast, your body goes into a detox state. It starts to throw out. Especially when you fast, oh by the way, do drink a lot, a lot of water. And when you fast and you drink lots of water, your body goes into a super detox and throw out all the gunk, throw out all the, all the toxin in your body. You will come away younger, prettier, less wrinkled. Hobo, hobo. <laughs> Motivated already, right? Yeah, you will reverse aging. It's true. It's true. So, you know, yeah, the more you fast, the younger you become. <laughs> yeah? So I really want to encourage us in the season up ahead, you know. I want to encourage us, do it. Do it, all right. Now, I'm going to skip off some of this. I will cover next round, all right, now. I want to just end with this. Jesus fasted. He's our best example. You know, before his messianic ministry started, he made sure he went to a season of fasting first to hear God, to take instruction, to download God's blueprint strategy and, 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 and receive all his empowerment before he launched out into his messianic ministry. If Jesus needs it, what do you think for you and I? And I just want to show you how interesting it is. It says this. Before he went into it, it says in Luke chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, Jesus, what's the, what does the red word say? Full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led around by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. You know, and he went into, into fasting. He ate nothing during those days, it says. And then they, when they had ended, he became hungry, right? He went in full of the Holy Spirit, right? Do you know after 40 days, he came out different? And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. What happened in that 40 days? Fasting. And news about him spread through all the surrounding districts. Even Jesus did it. So you will come through full of the power. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So these are 20 days. We're going to all right, all get prepared for it. First of 20 of 20th of October, we're going to come into a season of corporate prayer and, and fasting. All right. You start to plan now. You know, some people, like what Chaifen said just now, maybe for you it's not food. It could be devices, social media thing, and all that. For some people, it's... it's, it's Different thing. Some people need to stop watching TV. Some you might like to stop your YouTube. Some people need to stop your Facebook. Then seek his face and read his book. You know. Some people need to to, to you know come out of Twitter. You know, instead of Twitter, you you, you tweet to God. You know, you talk to him. All right. Uh, you pray about it. Get prepared for it. We're gonna expect great breakthrough in this season. I really believe many of you are gonna receive experience breakthrough like 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 you've never experienced. Are you ready? All right, it's going to start really right. First, it's going to start really right. Or oh, next week, you know. So, yeah. All right. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this message. We thank you, Lord, that, that you're teaching us to tap into the power of your Holy Spirit and to be able to hear your voice in these turbulent times and to be able to triumph over every challenges up ahead. You're preparing your people to be able to take back the kingdom by force. And we give you all the honor and glory. Thank you, Lord. Grant us the grace to hear the voice of the Spirit and to give heed to your prophetic instruction that we may be aligned with you, that we may prosper according to your ways. We thank you and praise you in the name of Jesus. Amen. You have been listening to a Petra Church recording. We hope that you have been blessed. For more information and resources, visit us at petra.sg.